Part two of session 49, and let's close with a flourish. Kundalini and meditation. Really cool stuff. Let's begin. So in the last video, we cover up to question number five of this session. And Don was asking about the similarity between a planet and a human body. Let's call it that way. My body's very complex. <laughs> um, in terms of their polarizations, magnetic polarizations, and how they relate to each other. This was a very complex answer that Ra gave about the different intricate patterns that exist between, I mean, they didn't go into that uh, depth of a detail. I don't think it would be possible anyways, but they hinted uh, a bunch of stuff that was just really fascinating. I talked about fractals and how I believe this is sort of like the crisscrossing that exists. Actually, this is the fabric of reality in general. This is not just planets and humans. This is just the whole of the cosmos is generated by polarity. So. It's a very deep topic that we can go on philosophizing and actually uh, going into science because we have uh, tangible proof that this is just, even with our minds, we can go in. I mean, it's so much. It's like talking about uh, physics in general. Metaphysics becomes a science as well. So um, that led into the, um, say, the 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 topic of the Kundalini and what that means. Uh, because Ra mentioned it, I think the last part uh, was, let's check exactly what they said. Uh, they said that an, an entity grows more polarized uh, with this locus moving upwards. They were already talking about the positive and negative uh, poles that exist in, um, let's say the construct of bodies in general. So the meeting point being the Kundalini. So. I kind of explain a little bit what that meant and I'm going to go now further here because that's the next question that Don, of course, was um, super interested as soon as he heard Kundalini. <laughs> the next question is what we're going to cover. So we're going to get into more details of that. But essentially, that's uh, all they described before. And um, I'll just reread just to be, you know, on the same uh, page because the conversation or the answer rapidly went to um, to the Kundalini. So they said, the most important concept to grasp about the energy field is that the lower or negative pole will draw the universal energy into itself from the cosmos. Therefrom, it will move upward to be met and reacted to by the positive spiraling energy moving downward from within. The measure of an entity's level of reactivity is the locus wherein the South Pole outer energy has been met with the inner spiraling positive energy. So again, I'll, I'll go into all, uh, all the details when it comes to the Kundalini itself, but this is the nature of things, how they exist. You know, there is a positive and then there is a negative. And these energies are uh, attracting each other. They they move towards each other as opposed to attracting, like one is waiting for the other one to come. They, they're just drawn to each other. And um, they say, as an entity grows more polarized, 
and polarization in this case being consciousness, of course. Um, as an entity grows more polarized in consciousness, this locus will move upwards. This is the meeting point of the positive and negative. This has to do with the energy centers, as we'll see in detail. This phenomenon has been called by your peoples, or your peoples, the Kundalini. However, it may be better it may better be thought of as the meeting place of cosmic and inner, shall we say, vibratory understanding, of course, consciousness, or our lens of consciousness and how we perceive things. So the Kundalini is not something that, oh, I need to wait, you know, until my Kundalini activates. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, to attempt to raise the locus of this meeting without realizing the metaphysical principles of magnetism upon which this depends is to invite great imbalance. I cover all of this, obviously, in the last video, but I wanted to introduce um, the, uh, the topic with the part or the paragraphs that led to this conversation now between Don and Ra. And so we're talking about, again, just to put into context and then we'll go into the question. We are talking about two energies that exist in the universe naturally. In fact, the universe exists because of these energies interacting in infinite patterns to create the multiplicity of things that we see. And so as it relates to the human being in works of consciousness, as we are doing right now in third density, which is the density in which we work uh, or polarize towards uh, consciousness. The work is done, is done in polarization for consciousness, then uh, we uh, we are concerned, obviously, with the raising of this consciousness, the expanding rather of consciousness, and this is what we call the Kundalini, and the Kundalini being the measure in which these two energies are met in our individual self and as a collective as well. So um, you can also see that in previous sessions. Ra has hinted that the majority of people are in the orange, the, collect, the collective in general. I mean, for the collective to be in orange, then the majority of people have to be in orange. Meaning, to me, this is my interpretation, that the Kundalini of Earth, even though it is vibrating at fourth, it is incompatible with the collective consciousness that is in orange, not even in yellow. So you can see why there's a lot of friction, there's a lot of... Um, uh, I would say discrepancies between a group of people who are feeling the energy of fourth density and the group of people who are maintaining the energy of uh, second density, basically. Uh, this would be more uh, like a third, a third density, second uh, or orange ray mentality. A third density entities with orange ray mentality as a collective in general, of course. So so much that we can go on about this but to keep it within the context of kundalini and then we go into meditation let's read what don had to say after ra said that don said question six what process would be the recommended process for correctly awakening as they say the kundalini and of what value would that be well uh, the question is it's quite uh, obviously no offense you all know that I love Don but it's ignorant in the same in the sense that Don apparently didn't know much about you know what this meant and we know more thanks to him so 
Uh, Ra says as an answer, the metaphor of the coil serpent being called upwards is vastly appropriate for consideration by your peoples. This is what you are attempting when you seek. There are, as we have stated, great misapprehensions concerning this metaphor and the nature of pursuing its goal. We must generalize and ask that you grasp the fact that this is, in effect, renders, or the fact that this, in effect, renders far less useful that which we share. However, as each entity is unique, generalities are our lot when communicating for your purpose, your possible edification. I'm a little um, observant of that, um, that asterisk there, which got, <laughs> that's only referring to that um, um, question five, I think it was. So the metaphor in nature, this was stated in, in, question, uh, in question number five. In any case, that's, that's irrelevant. Um, okay, so Ra is stating as always, you know, when they, whenever you can see that when Ra is talking about a topic that is, it's multifaceted because even though there is a mechanism and there is a purpose and there is, there are things and the question that Don is asking as well is, you know, what's the process for correctly awakening the Kundalini? Then, you know, they always want to avoid like, all right, this is the step by step <laughs> sort of um, uh, prescription, if you will. Uh, their, their indications as to how to awaken the Kundalini. They're just talking about generalization. And so they're saying, you know, um, this is what you are attempting when you seek. Oh, th there's a couple of phrases here that are really important when we read it. So check it out. The metaphor of the coiled serpent. This is something that it's attributed to the Hindus when they talk about the Kundalini and the two serpents, uh, Shakti and Shiva together. Uh, but this is also seen in, say, medicine. You know, our symbol for medicine is the, the, the coiling serpent. Um, we see that also in biblical... Uh, depictions of uh, the serpent and you know it's coiling upwards there is so much this is you know the uh, the Garden uh, of Eden another <laughs> another interpretation of the Garden of Eden uh, there's so much you can see this all over the place there is um, there's always a serpent acting as knowledge and rising above you know we have this in in Asia with the dragons, we have this with um, Quetzalcoatl in, in, in the Americas. There is, um, there's so much. <laughs> so they're referring to this as the, the rising of these energies. Of course, people back then knew more about the inner worlds than us right now because we're so concerned with the outer world that we forgot there is an inner world or we just brush it you know, to the side. So that's what they're talking about, you know, considering the metaphor of the the coil serpent upwards. This is what you're attempting when you seek. This, this is another vastly uh, important phrase because they say this upwards coiling serpent is what you're attempt attempting when you seek. When you seek, you seek the Creator. When you 
find the creator, or when you start discerning the creator, then the coiling serpent goes up. The meeting point of the Kundalini goes up, as we'll see. So I love this phrase because it says, this is what you're trying to do when you're Sikh. So all of you who are watching this video and many others who are not watching the video, but are in the seeking process of the self, this is what they're attempting to raise the Kundalini, whether they know it or not. A lot of people don't know anything about the Kundalini and they're raising it because it's a, it's a mechanism. Simple as that. It's like some people are not attempting to gain muscle or lose fat, say, yet they do it, you know, for, as a, uh, as a result of their activities. So this is the same thing. And so they go, you know, that there are misapprehensions, you know, concerning this metaphor and the nature of pursuing its goal. You know, there is, of course, there is all kinds of ideas as to, you know, what this racing of the Kundalini should be. And I kind of discussed that in the last video jokingly about how people uh, can say, you know, like, oh, you know, maybe, you know, I need to raise the Kundalini so I can be more spiritual and so on. It's more complex than that, of course. And complexity doesn't mean that it should deter people from, um, from finding the intuitive knowledge that everybody has around this. It's not about, you know, reading books or, you know, attending seminars and going to retreats and so on. This is just about you opening to the intuitive knowledge that you already know this. It's in you. So <laughs> for it to be in you, you have to have it. You can't acquire it from the external world. So, in any case, a lot of misapprehensions. I can only offer my views, and I don't even want to go to speculating so much here. So we have a lot to cover, as usual. So Ra continues and says, We must generalize and ask that you grasp the fact that this, in effect, renders far less useful that which we share. The, the fact that they are generalizing renders it less useful than... Um, Actually, no, let me reread that part. We must generalize and ask that you grasp the fact that this renders far less useful that which we share. Um, oh no, yeah, I think that's what they mean. Yeah. <laughs> so because they're generalizing, uh, they want you to understand that this will render what they're trying to share much less useful. That makes sense. Um, even though I phrase like poorly. <laughs> Ra says, however, as each entity is unique, generalities are our lots when communicating for your possible edification. Of course, you know, when I say, you know, um, the collective consciousness is in orange, I'm not saying that everybody is, you know, the majority uh, of people are. It doesn't mean that everybody is, so it's generalizing. You know, it's just to communicate a concept, you have to generalize, and I don't even have to, you know, speak too much of this, but um, I guess I'm just re-reading what Ra already said and you know it's it's really easy so easy to understand Ra says in the next slide we have two types of energy we're attempting then as entities in any true color of this octave to move the meeting place of inner and outer natures further and further along or upward along the energy centers the two methods of approaching this with sensible method are first the seating within one's self of those experiences which are attracted to the entity through the South Pole. So, they're going to speak of uh, two methods of approaching this with sensible method are first, the seating within oneself of those experiences, which is really, you know, what, when we're talking about energy, we're saying like, what kind of energy is this? You know, am I f being fed 
random energy? Yes. But is it an energy that is just what's keeping me alive? Uh, yes. <laughs> but the question is, what is this energy? You know, those are the functions of the energy, right? That's what's manifested. But what uh, what are the functions of this energy? And so um, uh, we'll, we'll get to that again. Keep that question in mind. But first, they're talking about two types of energy, okay? And these two types of energy are, they're going to explain it, of course, again, uh, in much more detail, but it's always helpful. I don't know, I feel like it's always helpful for me to like, kind of lay down the um, my foundation and then build upon it as you read. So... They say, we're attempting, as any entity in the universe, any entity that exists is trying to raise this, any entity in process of evolution. There are entities who are not in process of evolution, and that would be angels and astral, what we call demons, <laughs> all these kind of, you know, um, astral entities that simply exist as uh, guides for the evolution. And that's that's a whole nother topic. We talked about this uh, a while ago, probably a year ago, I think, <laughs> we were, I think it was in session 16 or 17, one of those early sessions, um, how there are entities that live, you know, not all entities are evolving. So, we're attempting as entities in any true color of this octave, that just means in any density, to move or race, basically, this uh, meeting place between the outer natures, and this is going to come handy when we understand what the Kundalini is and how it relates to our lives, the outer natures, inner and outer natures, that would be the outer energy that we see in the inner energy of what we feel, what we are. Um, so those are the two energies, again, the South Pole and the North Pole, two types of energy, and we're attempting to uh, raise this through the interaction of inner and outer um, um, experience, or um, yeah, experience would be a nice word, even though we're gonna use experience in a different way. So the two methods of approaching this with sensible method are first the seating within one's self of those experiences which are attracted to the entity through the South Pole. And this is where we get uh, to the um, explanation of what this, what this energy is. Well, the energy that we're receiving, okay, or we're drawing from the outer world is a catalyst. We get catalysts outside, everything is catalyst, and we are um, absorbing this as experience. Catalyst becomes experience. And so the experience that we feel in reality is the energy in which we're working. So this is why you know, the best way to, you know, put this without all the metaphysical jargon is that look at your life, see what experiences are coming and see where, where they are. You know, don't try to raise them and say, you know, oh, I must love this. Oh, I must see the creator in this. Those are good uh, guiding posts. You know, um, they are uh, good indicators of where a compass they're good compasses, but they are not the means into which we um, we act. And even acting is, you know, even acting is, is a form of, of avoiding. So 
it really is how you you process the experience. I think that's a better word. The processing of experience is what creates the uh, moving upwards of uh, of the energy of the meeting meeting point of these two energies. Because as you process, you know, you may block it, you may reject the experience and say, "I don't want to hear about that." Uh, you know, I mean, I. I I can't even generalize on this because it goes in our minds too. We reject stuff when we're told something and we just feel that tension. So this is where, you know, when you're uh, when you have a relaxed mind and you're ready to simply absorb reality and don't take it, you know, for um, for granted, meaning that oh, I'm just this way. You know, you really question everything. You question yourself because you don't know who you are, right? So that's <laughs> That is the first koan in Zen Buddhism, you know, who are you? So you question yourself and you allow this experience to tell you more about yourself, um, waking up those emotions and so on. So as you allow this energy, which is experience, and it's coming all the time, to flow through you, then you see where it's seated. You know, the seating within oneself of those experiences which are attracted to the entity through the South Pole. The South Pole is the uh, the outer world coming to you. See? And um, those experiences that are attracted. See? The South Pole attracts the experiences that must be seated. If you read it backwards, <laughs> the last part, then you can see exactly what it means. You know, the South Pole is our... Uh, our foundation root chakra is attracting all this energy and this is why everything is considered as survival first and then go on um, the uh, the totem pole <laughs> I can actually call that the totem pole I never thought about it I like it the totem pole who is at the top of the totem pole the creator <laughs> so uh, there are two methods of approaching this like they said uh, with sensible method are first. Okay, this is the first one. I don't know if they mention the second one. Sometimes they just go on. They'd only mention one or they mention four. <laughs> they say there are two. We'll mention five. <laughs> That's raw. That's raw for you. Okay, so I think we're up uh, for a good start here. Let's go on. So, uh, Ra says each experience will need to be observed, experienced, balanced, accepted, and seated within the individual. As the entity grows in self-acceptance and awareness of catalyst, the location of the comfortable seating of these experiences will rise to the new true color entity. The experience, whatever it may be, will be seated in red ray and considered as to its survival content and so forth. That's a good abbreviation of the process raw, um, especially the last part. Okay, so now we know that the first energy, which is the South Pole, is coming from the outer world as catalyst that forms experience and experience is processed. This is uh, why they, I would call it process. See, they say each experience will need to be observed. First, you notice it, you observe it. You don't judge it right away. You see, react, when you re reject something, then you're disallowing your, um, you are uh, avoiding the uh, the processing. So first you observe it as a neutral entity that you are. You know, the reactive entity, the ego, the ego-driven uh, entity who reacts 
is rejecting to a degree. Yeah, it's okay. You know, you're not going to find that you're purely observant. You're going to reject some. In fact, in the rejection, you can observe yourself too. There's so much to go on here, but this is the first point. Observe. Then experience. Once you observe it, you say, okay, what is this, you know, um, causing me? You experience it. Then you balance it. You balance it and you say, okay, well, this caused me some... Uh, um, sadness or anger or joy or anything you know whatever it is you balance it okay you experience it you balance it in between um, what you you think you should do whatever that may be you know everybody's unique then accept it you have no choice but to accept the experience no matter what it is situation conversation uh, confrontation whatever anything just like you accept that the day is here because the sun is out and you can see it. There's no way to hide the sun, even on a cloudy day. And I live in a very cloudy day. <laughs> you can still see the sun and the light. So you accept it. It's a natural thing. So you do with any other experience. Once it is accepted, it's seated within the individual. There is no way to force this. This is why Ra says to, it, it, it isn't to invite great imbalance if you try to force this, basically. So you see that, you know, you know what? I am angry and I'm going to feel my anger. I accepted my anger. I balanced it. You know, it, it's no longer random. I just accept it. I am angry and I'm going to live it. See, that's where it's seated. You know, um, whatever it may be, that anger. As the entity grows in self-acceptance, because you accept yourself, something beautiful happens. Uh, the location of the comfortable seating of these experiences will rise to the new true color entity. So my anger will dissolve eventually in the unconditional love that must be, uh, this is the portal. This is why the heart is the center of everything. And so unconditional love is where you accept everything. You know, self-accepting entity. This will rise to the new color entity. Uh, you can you can see even you know anything can be uh, taken. I don't want to take the trip because it's so many, um, so many examples and so many points in the energy centers. But you can play with your imagination. I think you can play now with these tools and see. Well, you know, if this is the way it is, then that's fine. You know, I don't have to force myself to be. Uh, a Buddha, you know, and look at everything as that's forcing yourself and you're imbalancing yourself. Um, I don't need to, you know, suppress my emotions or my desires or anything. I just want to live them. But I want to observe it now. As you grow in awareness and self-acceptance, and this will naturally uh, go up. So, they say, okay, this is the trip. Again, you know, the experience, whatever it may be, will be seated in red ray and consider as to its survival content and so forth. So forth, they didn't want to go on through orange, yellow, green, blue, uh, indigo, and violet. But this is how it goes. You know, each experience, no matter what experience it is. I'll just give you an example. Uh, I get into a car accident, right? The first... Uh, reaction of this experience would be the impact and I fear for my survival, right? And uh, that impact will bring me into question, who am I, right? After you come out of, you see, when people are shell-shocked and they're stuck 
in Red Ray, you see their behavior as, you know, they they still haven't realized that they're there. You know, they, they're in shock. They don't know what's happening. So it's almost like the, the catalyst brought them into a shock for Red Ray and they stay there, survival. Then it goes into Orange Ray. So in my example, car accident, I go into uh, this the state of, okay, I'm alive. Yes, I, I'm alive, okay, <laughs> what's next? Um, then I see, you know, whatever it is in Yellow Ray, what happened in the outside, the social, my interaction with the environment, and so on. And then, you know, it depends, you know, that's where I can get stuck. I can get stuck and say, you know, I don't know, you can imagine all the, the, the anger and the frustration and, you know, the blaming and the ruin of my day and so on. I could be stuck there, you know, between orange and yellow. But say, you know, I go up to, and I had a conversation with one of my uh, my really good friends who talks about the law of one and has her channel. I've mentioned it here. He has a Spanish channel. Uh, but we were we had this long three-hour conversation, and one of the things she uh, she shared was a car accident, coincidentally. And, you know, how she was, like, concerned about the others and so on. So that's, you know, bringing the experience to, uh, to Green Ray. From there on, I mean, you can just go, you know, Blu-ray, expression, honesty, you know, just... You can see that you're, there is no material stuff here. There's no possession and so on. It's just another self. This is an experience for learning and so on. And you can go on to anything else. So it's not about forcing now that I said this. You know, if you get into any situation that is similar to this, you're going to force yourself to be that, you know, unconditional love. You can be stuck in anger, but observe yourself. See, this is why every experience should be considered um, in each of the um, energy centers. So um, let's go on. We have more. Ross says, each experience will be sequentially understood by the growing and seeking mind-body-spirit complex in terms of survival. That would be Red Ray. Then in terms of personal identity. Well, see, I did it. I did it beforehand. <laughs> Here it is. Personal identity, that would be Orange Ray. Um, then in terms of social relations. Then in terms, that would be Yellow. In terms of universal love, that would be Green or the Heart Center. Then in terms of how the experience may beget free communication, that would be blue or throat chakra. Then in terms of how the experience may be linked to universal energies, indigo, third ray, um, third eye, um, indigo ray. Uh, and finally, in terms of sacramental nature of each experience, I don't have to say much here because I already said it. Next they say, meanwhile, the creator lies within. In the North Pole, the crown is already upon the head and the entity is potentially a god. This energy is brought into being by the humble and trusting acceptance of this energy through meditation and contemplation of the self and of the creator. Where these energies meet is where the serpent will have achieved its height. When this uncoiled energy approaches universal love and radiant being, the entity is in a state whereby the harvestability of the entity comes nigh. Okay, so you can see how Ra did the same <laughs> trip, well, well, the example, but that's exactly how every experience is waiting to be, uh, to be raised. And this is why when you do 
You see, this relates to everything. People say, I'm healing my inner child. Your inner child was stuck in Red Ray for survival sometimes, Orange Ray, a lot of that comes into teenagers too, or adolescent uh, puberty and so on. Identity starts flaming out. This is why sexuality develops there too, because that's Orange Ray as well. And so, yeah, I mean, um, I have discovered, you know, speaking of sex, um, as you're probably aware, uh, sex has been a great catalyst for me in my life in all aspects. And uh, I've discovered things in my life that I was stuck in that orange ray because of undeveloped experience or catalyst that was there for me to simply raise that energy out of the orange ray, identity, and sex in general, sexuality. Which um, is, you know, it's a prevalent thing in our society. We are stuck there. We have a lot of stuff there that is just, it's not moving, you know, and it's just there. You don't have to, but hey, if it's there and you recognize it and your actual, actually your life gives you that catalyst, then hey, why not? You know, do it. Don't be afraid. So, um, where was I? Got lost with sex. See? So, <laughs> um, yeah. So every every single experience must be um, um, must be felt that way. And when you heal anything, it could be a trauma from your adulthood. Uh, it's the same thing. It doesn't have to come from childhood. You may have I don't know you a divorce and you or a breakup. You can't heal that. That's because it's stuck somewhere probably orange or yellow because it's it's a it's how you feel yourself alone and with another person or yellow in society there is healing that needs to be uh, done there of course the healing always goes with aligning first unblocking lower energy centers and then um, bringing the energy up to uh, love unconditional love and from there it just takes off on its own not on its own but you know, it just becomes more manageable because it's energy that you can work with. You can't work with energy in the lower centers as a means to, you know, activity and to do things and to plan your life. That would be negative polarization. But again, I don't want to get into that. Uh, all right. So, Rasses in this one. Meanwhile, the creator lies within. Okay, so see, I love this part because we're talking about the rising of this energy that's coming from the South Pole. See, but they say, meanwhile, the creator lies within. In the North Pole, the crown is already upon the head and the entity is potentially a god. Man, I should have read this with more emphasis when I read it the first time. Because this is, this is the truth of your beingness. When we say you are God, when we say you are the creator, when you say, when you hear anything that has to do with your divinity, this is what they mean whether people know it or not. We're talking about the essence of our beingness here, right now. The Creator lies within, in the North Pole, which is our awareness, consciousness. I equate it, I don't know if I'm wrong here, if people see it differently, but I equate North Pole with pure consciousness, which is only observing, which is just experiencing everything. And the South Pole is the experience itself. Now, experiencer and experience are the same thing. 
uh, or the experienced and experiencer are the same thing. It's experience. So, but you see, from the North Pole is consciousness. Look at an experience. It's like, say, um, you have a, um, a party. That's an experience, right? So was the party apart from yourself or were you the party? Well, both, you know, you and the party were one for it to be a party. <laughs> you were the party and you were at the party. But you were, you were, uh, the experience of the party was coming to you and your awareness was processing it. So it was, it's, it's a, it's a game. It's, um, it's the process of polarity to have experience or the purpose of polarity is to create a process in which to have experience. Make sense? I hope so. Because that's what's happening. Now we're, we're dissecting experience into experiencer and um, the experienced. That would be the South Pole and the North Pole. In the North Pole, the crown is already upon the head and the entity is potentially a god because you are the one. And you see, this is uh, this has so many implications. You see, when people, when we see people, and this is very prevalent right now with um, the spiritual community or the awakened, the woke community. <laughs> ah, it's funny. <laughs> so many images in my head. <laughs> the woke community. There is a lot of that, you know, people need to wake up. People need to, that, that is in essence saying, people need to raise their kundalini forcibly. Like I need to help people. <laughs> Remember the crusaders when they said, we need to go save the people. Uh, remember the conquistadors? Of course, there were other intentions behind that, the elite and so on, but at least the humans doing the work, they were, they had the same mentality. We need to wake up these people. Well, that's inviting a lot of great, um, a great imbalance. So, I don't know. <laughs> hey, people can do it. People are doing it. But this is, you know, the... Um, this is what's happening. So, um... What was I going to say? I forgot. See, I get distracted with these um, silly things in my head. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the Awakened community, yeah. There is, you know, the... Um, um, there is the idea that we need to uh, raise consciousness. What we're ignoring with this is that there are people who are going... You know, it's like... We put it... This is a better analogy, I think. A marathon. It's a bunch of people. You know, you have young people and older people. It's all about, you know, the marathon. You know, nobody's competing. At least, you know, uh, you know, a regular marathon. I'm not talking about competitive marathon. But, you know, just a marathon. People are going to go and have fun. You know, let me see where I can get. Everybody is in a stage of fitness. Parallel to this, everybody is in a stage of development, spiritual development. Of course, we as trainers, we would like everybody to go at their maximum of fitness but guess what you know some people have higher levels of fitness possibilities of fitness because of their uh, even previous lives i can even summon here but i'm not going to say that because they're training over time so let everybody go at their own pace they have different stages you know maybe maybe you know the older people will get you know more fit and they'll outrun some of the younger people because they're unfit who cares it doesn't matter this this is all and we forget the whole idea is to run a marathon and the marathon itself has no purpose 
There is no, I mean, there is a goal, yes, but everybody is achieving that goal in their own way, you know, and uh, it's, there's infinite marathons in which we're going to um, sign up and run it. These are incarnations themselves. We wouldn't have a multiplicity, such a variety, beautiful world like we have today if we didn't have so much people in different stages. Even people who are super fit and could run the marathon, but they decided to bring along, you know, <laughs> a lot of uh, karmic stuff in them. So they, they're running with backpacks and maybe they're doing it for a reason. Maybe that's their training. Who knows? So for us to get in the way and say, you know, we need to wake up the people people need to wake up i think that's a very um first a funny statement looking <laughs> looked at it from the non-duality perspective of life um yeah it's a it's kind of hilarious to me <laughs> people need to wake up um all you can do is share who you are all you can do is share your energy you know, people will be attracted to that, and that's it. You know, it's, it's just—it's <laughs> how it's been done for thousands of years. Is how it's probably going to be done for the rest of this octave, until we decide that we need to change the little, you know, things so we can have different experiences. Anyhow, I went on a rant there. I hope you enjoy that. Um, Ross says, "Okay, this energy is brought into being by the humble and trusting acceptance of this energy through meditation and contemplation of the self and of the Creator." This is going to lead to the next question and the uh, development of the next topic. Where these energies meet is where the serpent will have achieved its height. Well, first of all, we're using meditation and contemplation for um, the energy to be brought into being. This this energy, the we're talking about the the Godhead, you know, there, our consciousness, awareness itself, is brought into being by the humble, humble meaning that you don't bring anything into it. You know, I'm this, I'm that, you know, I'm going to do this. This is going to increase my uh, spiritual capacity and so on. Humble and trusting acceptance of this energy. Okay, I'm going to become a god. You know, I'm going to become enlightened, whatever that means. I don't know what enlightened means, but it sounds cool. People have used it over time. <laughs> you know, that's humble and trusting acceptance. You are nobody. Um, does that seat well with you? I know it does. Trusting, acceptance, there's so much, you know, liberation by being nobody. It's just like, yes, thank God, I'm nobody. I don't have to be somebody. Trusting, acceptance of this energy through meditation and contemplation of the self and of the creator. You know, understanding the self and the creator. It's basically the same thing. Um, but in this case, I'm sure they mean, you know, the self being this individual self and the creator being uh, the individual apparent self which is you. You will always be an independent um, apparent self. You know, uh, you know that it's all a game, you know it's all an illusion. And uh, more to the enjoyment of this reality, to know that you are just an illusion. So many things I can say here, but I don't want to keep sidetracking this. Uh, through meditation and contemplation because because this, these are the methods these are the methods in which you you don't have to sit you know in meditation you, contemplation prayer you know just admiring life whatever you know these these are the tools of the adept where these energies meet is where the serpent will have achieved its height I talked about that at uh, 
uh, in plenum. When this uncoiled energy approaches universal love and radiant being, the entity is in a state whereby the harvestability of the entity comes nigh, comes close. That's what nigh means. Uh, it's close. It's uh, it's coming. It's soon. This is where entities have met the majority of their experiences processed through the heart. And uh, the word radiant is usually uh, used in terms of indigo ray work or the indigo ray entity itself. So this is, um, this is harvestability. When you have activated your heart and you're doing the work of the addict, which is indigo ray work. And that's harvestability, at least for our, um, for ours, yeah, at least the heart, maybe for density, but um, yeah, that's what they mean. This is all, again, in practical terms, this is just working with what you have to accept, 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 and enjoy, accept and enjoy. I think that's a better way to put it. All right, Don, question seven is going to ask, will we, will we recommend, let me untangle my tongue. Question seven, Don says, will you recommend a technique of meditation? Ron says, plain, nope. So Don says, is it better or shall I say, does it produce more usable results in meditation to leave the mind, shall I say, as blank as possible? Let it run down, so to speak. Or is it better to focus in meditation on some object or something for concentration? Really good question. How to meditate? How do we meditate, Ra? This shall be the last full query of this work time. Each of the two types of meditation is useful for a particular reason. The passive meditation involving the clearing of the mind, the emptying of the mental jumble, which is characteristic of mind complex activity among your peoples, is efficacious for those whose goal is to achieve an inner silence as a base from which to listen to the Creator. This is a useful and helpful tool and is by far the most generally useful type of meditation as opposed to contemplation or prayer. So this is my preferred method of meditation and I have to say, not sure why, but I have to say, um, I, <laughs> I suppose because of my mental jumble, which as you clear this out, something incredible happens. It's undescribable. If I say something, I will be distorting it. It's almost like um, trying to show you your reflection in the water by disturbing it. Um, I, I, if I move, I disturb it. If I talk, I disturb it. You have to look at it yourself. My presence itself will distort it. But this is, uh, they say there are two types of meditation, which are useful. Um, it's funny because they're gonna mention like three or four. <laughs> uh, that's raw for you. They don't know how to count. They only count up to one. See what I did there? <laughs> so um, it's useful for the, okay. So the passive meditation, which is, this is, this is, again, this is, this is beautiful. This is meditation. Actually, recently I've been saying, sitting in silence, not of only verbally, and we know that some people can sit 
in silence verbally. They, they're so compulsive. But it's beyond that, of course. Um, you sit in silence, mindful silence, or no mind. The true mind is no mind. That is what they meant. It means you sit in silence and your mind is just there, you know, and if it does anything, it did it. You don't go in conflict because now you're using a portion of your mind to go in conflict with the same part of the mind that is just divided. And this is where anxiety is created, if you notice. Anxiety is thinking about something and then thinking about that thinking and then thinking about the thinking of the thinking and then it becomes a whole... Uh, like a, um, like when you point a camera or the recorder on the same screen, it just becomes a tunnel of that's anxiety. It's, it's that um, um, that vibration of the same thing just going over and over and over again. See, so quieting the mind. That's what they mean. Quieting the mind, observing the mind. That is the passive meditation that Rod's talking about here and is most generally useful type of meditation as opposed to contemplation of uh, or prayer i believe so too it is the most useful because you are listening to the creator now how can you possibly listen to anything if your mind is quiet how can that possibly arise this is a good question you see and one that i will not be able to answer at all with words but I can play around with it and I'll try my best. You see, your mind, you're not your mind. You know, when we do the exercise, you know, you're not your body. Your body is just a collection of uh, literally just, it's a collection of bacteria that has complexified the uh, medium in which they, uh, they enjoy, you know, their creation. <laughs> you are a tube. You are a very intricate tube. If you think about it, uh, for air, water, and food. That's all bacteria need, right? So uh, you are a tube, and it goes from uh, from the top to the bottom, and things are just coming in and out, in and out. It's just recirculating. That's the body. You're not the body. See, the body happens to you. And uh, then you're... Your mind, okay, I am my mind. But then again, your mind is being controlled by the bacteria as well. <laughs> the bacteria in your intestines. Did you know that? Uh, your mind is being controlled normally by that, you know. And of course, by other methods. The mind is not alone that. But the mind is being controlled by bacteria in so many ways. It's also being uh, guided to a degree uh, by events, catalysts, and so on. But you're not the mind either. You know this when you sit in silence, and yet there is something there. That's something that you find. Again, you can't process this in the mind. So if you say, oh, I, I know now. <laughs> you do? Well, that's not true knowing. <laughs> um, this is why Lao Tzu said, um, the Tao that can be spoken is not the eternal Tao. The eternal Tao uh, is not the one that can be put into words, something like that. I always butcher it, but it means, you know, the you cannot express it. You know, you can talk about it, but that is not the eternal Tao. That is not the true Tao. You can only talk about it. Me, see, this is not the eternal Tao. 
but it's referring to it, you know, and that is exactly what you find. And what you find in that silence is the creator. Oh, I can go on philosophizing on this, but it's not the point. I'm talking about meditation here. Just experience yourself because you are it, actually. <laughs> I just wrote that too. You are it. I actually didn't think about it when... <laughs> um, not at all. It, honest. Blu-ray honesty here. <laughs> but you are that, so enjoy it. Go. Uh, have fun. I like Rupert Spira, uh, somebody I, I enjoy a lot, his non-duality view of things in reality. Um, he says that, you know, he was asked about psychedelics, and I loved his point on psychedelics. And he says, you know, um, if you want to experience it, you know, just go within. <laughs> I mean, it's it's free, you know, it's, it's legal, it's available all the time. Uh, you can go in and out whenever you want. I mean, it's, it's just that, and it's so true. So, you know, that is the creator. And, I mean, I'm not saying that psychedelics will show you the creator, because psychedelics will just show you the m movement of your mind. You may be more aware of something beyond this reality, but anything that is beyond this reality is not the creator, <laughs> because the creator is this reality. Oh, gods, I wish I could verbalize so much more but I can't I just can't it's not possible all right Ra continues and says the type of meditation which may be called visualization has its goals not that which is contained in the meditation itself visualization is a tool of the adepts those who learn to hold visual images in mind and developing are developing an inner concentrative power that can transcend boredom and discomfort contemplation or the consideration in a meditative state of an inspiring image or text is extremely useful also among your peoples and the faculty of will called praying is also a potential of a potential helpful nature whether it is indeed a helpful activity depends quite totally upon the intentions and objects of the one who prays of course it always depends on the intentions and that's see that I love how they use this because there are um, three things. There are three, even though they mentioned four, right? Uh, contemplation, uh, visualization. So there's meditation, which is I call sitting in silence. Um, then there is visualization, meditation, sit. meditation, silence, meditation, pure silence, meditation. Then there is uh, visualization meditation. Then there is contemplation meditation. And then there is uh, prayer meditation. I like that actually. Pretty good. So the four are the one I explained, you know, uh, at nauseam already. Then the next one is visualization, which is the magical. Did they say magic here? They must have. There's a magical aspect to this. I don't know. Whatever, it's magic. You know, this is the real magic. It's working consciousness that you can do by sitting, you know, and visualizing things. This is why your imagination is so powerful because you manifest things and you are doing working consciousness with this. Whatever you do, whatever it is. Um, so, this is the type of um, meditation. What does it say? Content uh, meditation itself. See, so has this goal, not that which is contained in the meditation itself. Visualization is a tool of the added. Those who learn to hold visual images in mind are developing inner concentrated power that can transcend boredom and discomfort. 
Um, yeah, I'm not pretty good at this. I have to confess, if, if I'm allowed to put in a little bit of personal anecdotal, um, um, I guess, development. I'm not really good at this. Um, I love the first one. Second one is visualization. Some people love this because they can uh, they can do so much. In fact, when I first had my awakening, I heard of people doing this type of meditation, which was healing of Mother Earth, which you know metaphysically is it's a it's, it's huge work. So some sort of visualization, whatever it may be, uh, that goes with your imagination, whatever you want to do. See, so that's another type of meditation. Then this contemplation or the consideration in a meditative state of inspiring image or text. That, that is, it's different than considering visualization because visualizing, visualizing you are creating, um, say, like a scene or something. You are doing stuff. It's almost like you're creating a parallel universe in which you're doing things. You know, that is, that's a very intensive meditation. Um, and, and again, you know, it's um, like, I, I really don't want to go on in this because it really depends on what people visualize. What do they like? You know, what do they enjoy? And how they use this for, um, for, that, for that inner self, you know, that enjoyment. In any case, so I'm talking about now contemplation, which is the consideration in a meditative state, which is a meditative state. Let me put this, uh, all of these meditations, Meditation itself is being in the present, okay? Whether you're sitting, sitting in silence, that's a, that's being in the present. You're not having thoughts. You see, thoughts are cons always concerned with the past and the future. You are in silence in the present. The present consent, uh, contend, uh, contains everything, okay? That's, that's all you need. That's a meditative state, right? The present, you're sitting in silence. Or you're visualizing, you know, things. You're still in the present. Imagination is in the present, right? That's why imagination is so powerful. Uh, creation and so on is the creative part of the self. Then there is, you know, this meditation, which is visualization of um, this contemplation, is picturing an image or a text or something inspiring, right? That's what they say. Um, this could be just looking at a mountain. That's contemplation listening to the river and just staring at one you know glittering part of the sun reflecting on the water that would be contemplation you know you looking at your ceiling that's contemplation you know you're looking at the ceiling and you're engrossed in this that is contemplation and so it has um I keep looking at this screen it has it's extremely useful among your peoples and the faculty this one uh, contemplation um, well, that, that would be prayer, lastly. But yeah, contemplation is, is the one that is extremely useful for, uh, for us. And the inspiring image or text could be anything. It could be whatever, anything. The Buddha, the cross, those are images. Um, you know, text could be anything. Ra, you know, me, your name, whatever. Uh, anything as long as it's inspiring and it just keeps you there in the present we see all of them what they're doing is trying to bring you to the present away from the mind the mind is concerned like i said with the future and the past and so it has no purpose in the present so 
Um, even me talking here is a form of meditation, believe it or not. This is why I get so excited when I'm talking about this because I'm not concerned with my minds. Not so much, sometimes it gets in the way. <laughs> uh, but yeah, words just flow through me because that's what I love doing. And this to me is a form of meditation. I enjoy this. This is why I say uh, thank you so much for sharing with me this because you're sharing something that I enjoy. And whenever you guys leave me comments saying, you know, um, any gratitude or uh, even some praise that I don't think, not that I'm not deserving, but I'm also it's just like, all right, <laughs> I just did what I enjoy. This is being in the present. So always bring yourself to the present. Conclusions. We got to the end exactly at the hour. I... Um, I love this second part, and this is why I want to, of course, leave it as a separate video. Because I know it's going to get intense when the Kundalini was invoked into the conversation. And of course, meditation itself. I can go on with meditation. I'll probably record some videos talking about meditation and other things that I have in my, uh, in my repertoire of, um, of projects for the channel. So... Um, the conclusions here are one, the Kundalini, demystifying the Kundalini. What does it mean? It's experience, it's coming out to you, and your process, your way to process the experience, the catalyst. Catalyst is out there, triggers an experience to you, you process the experience. How you process it is important because. Um, it has to do with acceptance. It has to do with you simply enjoying. I had this vision today that, you see, every one of us here is playing a role that is crucial for one another. We don't see this because we're acting with the intellect all the time. But when we get into the intuitive parts, that just tells us that I could not be here if you weren't there. And this sounds intellectually, it would be like, no, of course I could. You know, you, I could just watch another video, or you could be another person, or you know, you can have somebody else watching this. Whatever, whatever your excuses intellectually are, are not true, because intuitively we know that we're here for each other. And so, if we are connected this way, and we can accept this how far-fetched it is to accept that everything that is happening in your life is for your benefit. Intellectually, we may get in the way and say, well, I don't, I don't see it. I just don't see how this helps me. Well, accept it and you'll see how it does. See, so this is the key. The key for the Kundalini rising is for you to simply accept everything. Accept it. There's, there's no other choice. I mean, the illusion of choice is the rejection. And with rejection comes repression. Repression just delays things. Delay doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to do it. You will do it eventually, or when you die, or when you come in your next incarnation. Um, not necessarily in third density, it could be in fourth, it could be in sixth, it could be whatever. So it doesn't matter. In the end, it doesn't matter. It's not like, you know, you have to do this. See? 
So that is raising the Kundalini, just accepting things. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to, I, do I have to keep in mind, Gabe, that I have to, you know, be loving? No, not at all. I mean, that's just a natural thing that comes to you. You will get there. Oh, but I can't see it with love. All right, so why, you know, why you're not accepting it? <laughs> acceptance is love. You know, love is acceptance, you know. Um, see, when you're getting married and you, do you accept, you know, so-and-so to be your, you're accepting, you're loving. Yes, I accept her for whatever she is, you know, crazy weirdo woman that she is. And, you know, the woman may say the same thing and add in that, you know, the stubborn, you know, <laughs> uh, hot-headed guy that this, whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, it's accepting and it's liberating each other. That's what it is, you know, liberating each other from, from whatever concerns we may have, our ancestry, whatever, whatever. Just accepting, be loving, be just nice. I mean, this is just it's who we are. We're humans, you know. <laughs> We're not the humans that are depicted in the history books. We are the humans that we know we are. Um, and that's it. That brings us to uh, meditation in general, which, again, it's just different ways to say, you know, be in the present. Uh, it's not to achieve nirvana and stay there. Mm, I'm nirvana now. I have achieved the maximum state of consciousness. Bullshit. That's not the way of enlightenment. <laughs> enlightenment means that you are able to play between nirvana and samsara. Because these two are the creation. And you have to be able to enjoy both. Otherwise, you're ignoring one side or the other. Too materialistic, too spiritual. You know, these are extremes. They are two poles of the same magnet. This is where the essence is. This is where life is in between the two. So, I hope that made sense. Uh, thank you again. And you can see in this video why I always say thank you and why I say I love you. I don't love you romantically, even though I could, <laughs> but um, that's too stressing. So I just love you because you exist. I love you because you are or better way I accept you and your weirdness and all the things that you repress and you don't want to share with other people and I love people who come here and say ah, I feel free here you know I feel like I am because you are you are it and that's it that's all I got uh, session 50 it's going to be a little bit longer at the end of this session they uh, they actually said you know try to do bi-weekly or maybe they went bi-weekly I forget Something like that in the end. I forget. Um, yeah. Uh, sessions, basically. The timing, yeah, of the sessions is basically correct. Um, everything was fine. Uh, whatever. Doesn't matter. We're all doing good. Session 50 is going to be more awesome content. It's going to be the last one, actually, for book two. For those who know the segments of all the books, the raw contact is just one. Actually, it's two books. I have back here. It was a gift from LNL Research. I have to say, I haven't said thank you to them. Maybe I'll say in um, um, the next session. Yeah, next video, if I remember. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you guys for uh, gifting this to me and with other projects that we are involved. Be grateful to be part of this. Be grateful to be part of your lives. That's a long, long conclusion already. You can see I can keep talking and talking. See you in session 50.